Join us now as we conclude our series on Where Was Jesus in the Three Days Between Crucifixion and Resurrection? In this podcast, we will show that Jesus had a mission in these three days that covered five different locations with one very distinct message. The directive was revealed by Jesus to the Apostle John in Revelation 1, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Greetings yet again. This is Mark Russick, and you're listening to The Russick Outlook. Well, today we're continuing and closing out our journey, I should say, uh, examining the subject of where was Jesus in the three days between crucifixion and resurrection. And I cited uh, in, in the first section, we looked at the importance of the resurrection, where basically it, it, it either happened or it didn't. And if it didn't happen, then there's no reason to move any further with the Christian faith. That is the cornerstone, the basis, the foundation uh, of everything that we believe or Christians believe. And so we kind of dug into how can we believe the resurrection? What are the arguments against the resurrection? Where's the proof? Um, and so we, so we looked at that, and, and unmistakably, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Um, and then I, I kind of went into where the dead are now and the different sections or the different uh, locations and, and what, what they are and where they are. Um, and that's important because of what Jesus said, and you, we're going to see this in, in the upcoming slide. But basically, um, you know, he, he alludes to the fact that he was in the heart of the earth for three days. And he, he draws the analogy of, of just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish. Um, but a, as we dig into this in this third section, um, because we examine the places where the dead are now. So the question is, where did Jesus go in these three days? Was it Sheol? Was it the abyss? Was it paradise? Was it on the earth? Was it in heaven? Um, so I'm, I'll, I'll cut to the chase. I'll tell you, it's, it was all of the above, and, and we're going to cover that in, in detail. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited that you're here with us. And listen, um, if you enjoy topics like this, if you enjoy digging into the truth, digging into um, the heart of the matter, please do me a favor. There's a, um, a graphic element there or a like or a subscribe button. Please, please hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. It really helps us uh, get generated on the algorithms and get the information out there because ultimately that's what I'm trying to do is exchange ideas, exchange information, uh, point people to the validity of Scripture, that it's not a matter of just believe, as, as some would have you say, that there's a awful lot of information, both historically, archaeologically, um, scientifically, things we observe, eyewitness accounts. Uh, there, there's so much evidence that we can look at when we're examining things. We also, you know, I, I, I like to, I'm, I'm a little bit of a political junkie. I like to look at what is the world state of affairs, uh, what, what's the geopolitical landscape like, uh, particularly when, you know, focusing on Israel. Um, but but not always. Hey, well, you know what's going on in in other parts of Northern Africa, Europe, the Middle East, etc., Asia, um, because that does pertain a lot to to what's being written or what um, what was prophesied. Uh, there's an awful lot of information that's contained in prophecy, and what we see around us is literally uh, being happening or being happening. That's not good English. 
uh, happening and being fulfilled today as as we speak and or as as we listen to this. So, um, you know, we're we're on the different social media platforms. We're we're on the different podcast platforms. So again, if you could hit the like or like or subscribe button, uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, as well as we're out there on Instagram and, and, and Facebook and so on. So, uh, you know, with that being said, let's, let, let's really kind of dig in to see what, where Jesus went and what he did. This is the final piece of the final section of where was Jesus in the three days between crucifixion and resurrection. So I'm going to read the script, two scriptures here. Uh, if you're following us on video, you can see it on video. For those listening on podcast, uh, Matthew 12:40. This is Jesus speaking. He says, "For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth." So right away, he's telling you where he's going. So it's it's not a mystery. First Peter 3:18, and I'm I'm picking out the Amplified here, 3:18 through 20. For indeed, Christ died for, our, for sins once for all, the just and, and righteous for the unjust and the unrighteous, the innocent for the guilty, so that he might bring us to God, having put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So his spirit was put to death, not the Holy Spirit. This was the spirit of Jesus. You know, when, when scripture says he gave up the ghost, he gave up his spirit in which he also went and preached to the spirits now in prison. So there's your answer. Jesus went and preached to the spirits now in prison. They're in prison. Who were once disobedient when the great patience of God was waiting in the days of Noah. So there you have it. Now we, we talked about very briefly, I've covered this in other areas. The There's angels, there's a, a group of angels that part of Lucifer's um, pack, if you will, that are called the fallen angels uh, and, and also referred to as the sons of God, that these fallen angels um, pursued women and, and had flesh with the intent of, uh, had flesh, had sex with, in the flesh with the intent of procreation. They wanted their offspring to be produced in the earth. Uh, the, the, the basis of this was to ruin the, uh, the bloodline to Jesus and, and to let sin habitually roam throughout the earth. Uh, that's where we get what often referred to people know as the Nephilim, which was the offspring, which was part angel, part uh, man, or you know, came from, from a woman. So these spirits, these, these angels, I should say, I'm sorry, were, were put into the abyss, into Tartarus, and this is where Jesus went after he was resurrected and basically... He pre preached, he ministered, not ministered, that's not the right word, um, because there's no, there's no coming back for these, for these fallen angels. It's, it's done. The judgment's already been passed. Um, I, you know, if, if, I, if I was to re reference a sports analogy, you know, maybe a little bit of a victory dance in the end zone. Um, I'm sure he's got a lot more decorum than I would, but I would certainly be spiking the ball. Uh, but anyway, so we know he went to the heart of the earth and we, we know that that's where he went and he preached. Now, this next slide, if you're watching on video, there's a lot of information. I'm going to walk you through this. Don't get confused. There's a lot of symbols so that it will make it easy for you. If you're listening on podcast, I'm going to describe it as best as possible. And if you get the chance to watch it on video, particularly for this next slide, it may help. 
well, it will help. But again, you don't have to be. You can. Uh, I'll, I'll do my best in describing this. So what I'm showing here is the earth and, and a crucifix on top of it and an empty tomb. And this points uh, to different symbols of where Jesus went. So in the heart of the earth, as we described and I showed in, 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 in the second uh, passage of this, where there's Sheol Hades, uh, where's that Abraham's bosom, the place of torment, and you have the great gulf. Uh, so you have that, and then you have the abyss, which we talked about. Um, so what I'm going to focus on now is if you're looking at it, uh, there's three green trees to the left and all of those green trees mean good means it, 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 it's a good thing. So it first starts with the paradise in, in, in Adam and Eve. And so that's that green tree in the earth to the left, if you're watching. And I'm pointing out with Genesis 2.8, and the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east where he put the man whom he had farmed. So that's where, well, that, that was the Lord's intent. And then 3.23, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. So he's been banished from the Garden of Eden. Now that Garden of Eden is the symbol of what I put in as Abraham's bosom in Sheol, Hades. So that's what I would call the good section. Um, where before you, if you were a man or a woman of faith, and before Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, that's where you would land. I'm going to read Matthew 27, 51 through 52. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Uh, so the, these uh, bodies that had fallen asleep who were in Abraham's bosom were raised. And I, I pointed that out in the very first uh, um, section that we, that we looked at when we were looking at who was guarding the tomb. We talked about how not only um, was all this happening in the earth when Jesus was crucified, but that that the, the tombs were emptied and, and people after the resurrection rose and entered into the city of Jerusalem. So if you're looking again at by the cross, it says, number one, that's where you start. That's where we're beginning. That's Jesus at the cross. And Jesus says, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. So once it is finished and he's, he's put into the tomb, this is what he does. He goes down to paradise. And remember the scripture where he points to um, the, the, uh, the thief on the cross when the thief accepted him. And, and Jesus turns to him and he says, Truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. So paradise is in the heart of the earth. So I assume that he was in paradise with Jesus because this is prior to everything happening. So this is what I would say is, is that that's your first thing that, that Jesus does. He goes into the heart and the belly of the earth and he goes into paradise. And again, remember that there's that great gulf between so that people can see back and forth what's happening. So as Jesus comes into that area, the people who are in the place of torment, and I outlined the scriptures here in Luke, they can see what's going on. They're very much aware that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, he snatched the keys, and he's about to go into the abyss, about to go fulfill that scripture that we just read. Uh, so you see the arrow, the dashed arrow pointing. He goes down from the cross to paradise, and now he's on, on his way to number three into Tartarus. 
So right below that, I have a scripture from Ezekiel that I'd like you to read here. I made the nations quake at the sound of its fall when I cast it down to Sheol with those who go down to the pit. And all of the trees of Eden, the choice and the best of Lebanon, all that drink water were comforted in the world below. So you, right there, the Lord's showing you through Ezekiel that that he's cast down Sheol and, and Hades. The trees of Eden, the choice of the best woods of, of Lebanon and the water were placed in that paradise. Verse 17, this is Ezekiel 31, 16 through 18, by the way. Verse 17, they also went down to Sheol with it, to those who were slain by the sword, yes, those who were its arm, who lived under the shadow among the, uh, among the nations. Then he says in 18, whom are you like in glory and in greatness among the trees of Eden? You shall be brought down with the trees of Eden to the world below. You shall lie among the uncircumcised with those who are slain by the sword. This is Pharaoh and his multitudes, declares the Lord God. So that's your place of torment. So Pharaoh and the Egyptian army and those who fought Moses and everybody who, who fought the Lord, that, that they were put down into that place of torment in Sheol, Hades. So again, if you're looking at it on video, you see that you see this difference. So now I'm, I'm pointing to the abyss, uh, which is um, what, what I call is Satan's final destination. This, in fact, if you want to know who the Antichrist is, he's there right now. He's in the abyss. Um, his Hebrew name is Abaddon and the Greek equivalent is Apollyon. Uh, who he'll be when he takes the form of man on the earth, I do not know. But that's who the Antichrist is. He was one of the fallen angels who was put into the abyss. Um, and again, First Peter, in which he also went and preached to the spirits now in prison. So Jesus has, has taken the people in Sheol, Hades, in paradise. He's about to bring them up to heaven. He, he, does, he goes and he sees the spirits. He snatches the keys of victory from, from, from Satan, and, and they know it. They've seen it. And then I point to number four, where his ascension, he's now rising up out of the earth. And this is, you know, this is my interpretation. This is the, the interpretation according to Mark. This is where Jesus brings Abraham, David, Joshua, Daniel, the beggar Lazarus, the thief on the cross, and everyone else who had been previously been justified by faith, and he leads them from Hades to their new spiritual home. Ephesians 4.8 says, when, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So the host of captives, he, he's lead, and he, the gifts to men he's giving is he's about to take them into their final destination in paradise in heaven. And Ephesians 4, 9 through 10, what, uh, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all of the heavens in order to fulfill, in order to fill the whole universe. Psalm 68, 18, you ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious that the Lord may dwell there. So now he's, he's coming up. He's, he's about to go. I have a pause here by the grave and you'll see why um, in, in, in the next slide. Um, I also show you 
that Gehenna, the lake of fire, is separate from this. And, and we, we've talked about that previously. Um, just to give a little bit more credit or a little bit more validity to what I was talking about with Tartarus, Second uh, Peter 2, 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into Tartarus and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness, he kept until the judgment. Uh, Luke eight thirty one, and they begged. Oh, this was uh, the the uh, um, the spirits that filled the man on the island when uh, he broke the chains, and he they they told Jesus he was he was demon possessed. They couldn't keep him captive. He would literally break chains. He was so strong, and, and Jesus cast out the spirits, and uh, he even asked him his name, and he said, "There are too many in here. Our name is Legion, because there's much I think is six hundred. Um, he cast them into the swine." But what they, what they, and the pigs eventually went down the hill and drowned. But what they say, the spirits say to him, they begged him not to command them to, to depart into the abyss. They knew about the abyss. Please don't tell us and commit us there. Uh, Jude 6, and the angels who did not stay with their own position of authority, that means they left that realm. This is the fallen angels. They took advantage of human women and, and produced offspring, but they left their proper dwelling. He has kept them in eternal chains under the gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. That's the, the great white throne judgment that we talked about in the previous section. So here you have it laid. So, so Jesus is ascending. I will show you in a minute that he stops before he goes to heaven. That's why I have that there. Um, but I, I need to do, explain that to you separately. So now he's going to heaven. And I'm giving you the description um, uh, of of John in Revelations one seventeen through eighteen, when I saw him, meaning John saw Jesus, I fell at his feet though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, "Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades." So he's ascended to heaven. He has the keys to eternal life. He's done it. He's received the victory for us. Um, and in and, uh, and Acts and John, he is seated at the, at the right hand of the Father. And in Acts 2.33, receives the Holy Spirit. Uh, um, and then he sends the Holy Spirit in Acts 1.5 through 8 to, to minister or basically to minister to his church, to his people. Um, so all of this happens because of the victory that Jesus has when he ascends into heaven. Um, Paradise in heaven today, which is what we would call, uh, which is what I'm signifying as that final tree in the left-hand corner. Revelations 2.7 says, uh, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So that is your paradise in heaven. Um, you, you, can, you can look at it in 2 Corinthians. Paul writes... Also, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Remember, we talked about the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. But God knows. He was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things that no one is permitted to tell. So there you have it. Jesus, in these three days, descends into the belly of the heart of the earth. 
into uh, Sheol Hades, rescues the people in, in that temporary paradise, goes to the abyss, goes to uh, Tartarus, sees the fallen angels, the fallen angels see him, they get it, that game's over, it's done, uh, he, he, the victory is ours, then he ascends up into heaven. He does take a stop before doing so, and I'm going to point that out right now. So, if you're watching on, on video, it's the same thing. You, you're seeing uh, the cross to Sheol, Hades, the abyss, and then uh, upwards. But there's something very, very interesting here. I'm reading from ja John 11, uh, 18. I'm sorry, 11 through 18. I apologize. Uh, but Mary, who had returned, was standing outside the tomb, sobbing. And so she wept. She stopped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels sitting while sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, Woman, why are you crying? She told them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. After saying this, she, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you crying? For whom are you looking? Now, I, I, I should say this was where um, John and Peter had seen the empty tomb and had already run back and she remained there. So now this is Jesus first appearing to Mary, first appearing to the woman before anybody. And he says, whom are you looking? So supposing that he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you are the one who has carried him away from here, tell me where you have put him and I will take him away. Jesus says to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher or rabbi. She recognized him right away. As soon as he said, Mary, she knew it was the risen Christ. It was the risen son of God. And, and so you can imagine that she's probably tickled pink, probably wants to run and hug and cry and, and kiss him and, and hold him. So, but what does Jesus say here? This is so important. He stops and he says, do not hold me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. So it's very interesting. So in other words, he has not completed his mission until he goes to heaven. And you'll see why, what he does in heaven. But he can't be touched. He cannot be defiled by by, um, uh, by, by human flesh and by man or by woman. So Mary Magdalene came reporting to the disciples she had seen the Lord and said the things uh, of, of what Jesus had told her. So that's a very, very important factor that he stops there first. He comes back and we know that, you know, he's appeared over 40 days and nights and to numerous uh, uh, individuals and we've cited that. But that's, that's a pit stop, I'll call it, that he had to make. So this is so important, <clears throat> and why? I'm going to tie Hebrews, the New Testament, and the Old Testament together. <clears throat> Excuse me while I take a drink. I'm reading from Hebrews 9, 1 through 14. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not a part of material creation. The eternal tabernacle. He's in heaven. He's in the presence of the Father. 
He w- he went once into the holy place, the holy of holies of heaven, into the presence of God, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, having obtained and secured eternal redemption, the salvation of all who personally believe in him as Savior. So he comes as the sacrifice, he comes as the high priest, and he comes as the king of kings. He comes as the perfect sacrifice before the Father. Then in verse 13, For if the sprinkling of defiled or ceremonial defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of burnt heifer is sufficient for the cleansing of the body, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Holy Spirit willingly offered himself unblemished, that is, without moral or spiritual imperfection as a sacrifice to God, you cleanse your conscience from dead works and lifeless observances to serve the ever-living God. So there you have it. So he's, he's presented himself and he draws the analogy of what the Old Testament used to do. So I'm going to go to Leviticus 16, 2 through 17 here. I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to give you, um, if you're watching this on video, by the way, Notice I've highlighted in purple how many times you see mercy seat. So from 2 to 17, I'm looking at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 times he mentions the mercy seat. So tell Aaron, your brother, that he must not enter at any time into the holy place inside the veil. And remember, we covered that in the very beginning where you couldn't go into the holy of holies. Because the mercy seat which is on the ark, or he will die, for I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. And we know that Aaron's two sons did die uh, because they they did not follow the proper instructions. Um, Aaron, as high priest, shall enter them to the holy place this way, with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and the blood of a ram as a burnt offering. So that's what what was being spoken about in Hebrews, that it's not the the blood of an animal now, it is the perfect blood of Jesus. Jumping down to verse 14 in the gray highlight, he will take some of the bull's blood and sprinkle it with his finger on the east side of the mercy seat. Also in front of the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. And for those who know, seven being the perfect number. So he he sprinkles the blood and circles it seven times. Verse 15, Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, that is, for the sins of the people, and bring its blood within the veil, and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. So he shall make atonement for the holy place, the Holy of Holies, because of the uncleanliness and transgression of the Israelites for all their sins. So this was what Jesus was doing in heaven as what was done in the Old Testament. You now have the new covenant and it's sealed with his blood, not the blood of an animal, a bull or a heifer. It is with the blood of Jesus. And finally, in closing this out, now I'm bouncing back to Hebrews 9, 15 through 28. Uh, For this reason, he is the mediator and negotiator of a new covenant. Uh, That is an entirely new agreement uniting God and man so that those who have been called by God may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Since a death has taken place, as far as the payment, 
which redeems them from the sins committed under the obsolete first covenant. So the first covenant has now been replaced with the new covenant. He has, has, has sealed the deal. Verse 16, for where there is a will and a testament involved, the death of one who, who made it must be established. Common sense. We see that today. You're going to read a will and testimony, a testament. It's, it's because somebody died. They're leaving a will. They're leaving an inheritance. Jesus died and he left his inheritance for us. For a will and testament takes effect only at death since it is never in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Praise God. Jesus died. He's alive in heaven. But Jesus died for our sins and he's given us eternal covenant. So when the first covenant was not put in force without the shedding of blood, now so even the first covenant, I should say, was not put in force without the shedding of blood. Now we have the shedding of the blood of Jesus. This is the blood of the covenant. Verse 24, for Christ did not enter into a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but he entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the very presence of God the Father on our behalf. He is now our intercessor, our high priest. So basically, if, if I can draw an analogy, when the Father looks at us, he looks at us through the eyes of his Son, who has made the perfect sacrifice for us. So Jesus is appearing. He's, he's depositing his blood now into, into heaven, into the mercy seat. You'll see this in a second, which seals the deal. Verse 28, So Christ, having been offered once and for all to bear as a burden for the sins of many, will appear a second time when he returns to earth, but this time not to deal with sin, but to bring salvation to those who are eagerly and confidently waiting for him. We are waiting for the return of the risen king, but the deal has been made. So that's, that's what happened. So he's gone full circle. When I said in the very beginning, he touches all of these places, and he does. He, go, he goes from the cross to the, to the grave, to Sheol, to Hades, to Tartarus, back up, stops with Mary, t- talks to her, but does not touch her, ascends to heaven, and then he reappears on earth over the course of 40 days. So I'm winding this down. So I'm giving you the same um, uh, drawing that I've shown before without as much information. Um, But, you know, I'm showing you Sheol and Hades and the abyss and and so forth and, and the first heaven, the second heaven, the third heaven. So we've gone through this before. But now I'm in the top. Follow the arrow from the abyss. He stops by Mary. He says, Mary, do not hold me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Then he goes and he presents himself as high priest, sacrifice, and king at the very same moment. What he does is he brings his blood. He brings the blood of Jesus to the mercy seat in the throne room of God the Father as the eternal sacrifice for our sins. Praise God. (laughs) <laughs> this this gets me excited. Uh, so then he comes. When he comes, you will see that he returns. He returns and is clo- he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. It's his blood. So, you know, the, the, the arrows should point to the ascension to heaven to present the blood at the mercy seat. And then you see for the course of 40 days, he's back and forth. Uh, where he's on the earth before he ascends for good. 
But then the final culmination is he returns dipped in, 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 in a robe filled with blood. And how do we know that? Uh, I, if you're watching on video, you can see a beautiful, beautiful painting that shows Jesus returning to the earth on the white horse in, in the robe dipped in blood. And if I can, let me just read Revelation 19, 11 through 16. It says, uh, I, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, uh, with justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He is a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. That's his blood. And his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses. That's us. If, 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 if you're here on the earth today, you're coming back with him and dressed in fine linen, white and clean, coming out of it, out of it out is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the wine presses of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So here, that's the full circle. That's everything where he comes down for one last time, where he, he gives us the victory. He returns and it's the culmination of the wrath of God. The wrath is so bad that he said the days must be cut short other than no man will survive. So here he returns for his church. And this is the beginning of the setting stage of the millennium that we, that we talked about earlier. So I just want to close, if you can, with the power of the blood of Jesus. Um, it, there's a, you know, the, that old hymn, Oh, oh the Blood of Jesus. But if you, if you think about it, Genesis 4.10, the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out for me from the ground. And, and this is the Cain and Abel. And in Hebrews it says, And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So, you know, in Genesis, God says the blood of Abel is crying out but that the blood of Jesus speaks that better word. 1 Peter 2, 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sin may, may, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. Ephesians 1.7, I am and we are forgiven. In him we have a redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So that's the significance of bringing the blood to the mercy seat for the ultimate sacrifice. We have been given victory because of the ultimate sacrifice that the God of the universe, the, the Son of God, stepped out of, uh, out of the dimensions uh, I don't even can't even begin how many dimensions, but he came down to earth, went into the womb of, of of a virgin woman, and became man, and walked this earth as a spotless, holy, living God, and sacrificed himself for you, for me, for your sons, for your children, for your grandparents, for your friends, for your co-workers, for every man and every woman, every tribe, every tongue, every race, every background. There is, there is no division. There is no difference between where you are, what your ethnic 
backing is, what, where you come from. It has no being. There is, there, there is no difference in the eyes of Jesus and in the blood of the Lamb. Huh. I'm going to get myself preaching here. Huh. Preach it, Mark. Preach it. So I'm done preaching. All right. So this is the end. I want to thank you again for listening. Uh, this is, it's, it's, it's just been great. I mean, I love listening and reading his word and, and seeing the beautiful majesty of Jesus Christ. Uh, so you've been listening to the Russick Outlook. I hope you enjoyed it. Please, if you have any questions or comments, please, you know, get it on social media. Email me any questions, russickoutlook at gmail.com, especially prayer requests. I would love to hear from you if anything, or if there's topics that you like if you, to have uh, explored, please let me know. Again, uh, I'd love for you to hit the like or subscribe button. Let us know that you're watching us and listening to us. I want to take this time to thank you again. God bless you. And I hope to see you again. And remember, as always, just my opinion.